Tom Gores finally speaks to the public. What did he have to say? And what he had to say, was it good enough? We'll talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. It's another great way to support the podcast. And I want to say Merry Christmas to all of you guys. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. I'm actually recording this at 2 p.m., on Christmas Day. I'm going to try to get this posted before the end of the day. I wanted to have a Christmas episode out, but I was busy last night with family. Um, so if not, this might be posted the day after Christmas. Either way, Merry Christmas to all you guys. Hope you guys had a great one with family, friends. Um, hope you guys had a great time. Um, over the weekend, though, Tom Gores finally spoke to the public. He finally spoke to Pistons fans, to the Pistons media. Um, was what he said good enough? We'll talk about everything he said. Um, later on, we'll talk about how sh- how soon should we be expecting changes and will the Pistons avoid the all-time losing streak that's right around the corner this week. We'll talk about that too. Um, but obviously, the big thing is Tom Gores. We had been waiting, everybody, not even just in the Pistons community, just everyone across the NBA community, I feel like, was just waiting to see when would someone in the Pistons organization speak up. Say something about what's going on, whether it be Weaver, whether it be Arntellum, whether it be Tom Gores. Somebody had to eventually speak up, and Tom Gores did. And I'm obviously not going to read every single answer he gave and you know every single question he was asked. I'm just going to highlight some of the things that I thought were interesting. So obviously the big thing that, that he said in this was there is going to be no changes right, right now to the front office and to Monty Williams. That Monty Williams is staying, Troy Weaver, or tell him those guys are staying. They're not going anywhere. Um, you guys remember, I believe last week or two weeks ago, I said by Christmas Day, if there were not changes, I was going to come on the podcast and ask for people's jobs. This is what I'm going to say to you guys. I am not, I'm not going to come on here every single day and say, fire, fire, fire. But this is what I'm going to say to you guys right here. I do not believe Troy Weaver should still have his job. I don't think Art Tellum should still have his job. I think there should be a serious question about whether Monty Williams should still have his job. I stay true to it. December 25th, I don't think these guys should have their jobs. But with the owner coming out and openly saying they're not going to be losing their jobs, I feel like now it's a waste of time now to be coming on here saying, hey, these guys probably shouldn't have their jobs because Tom Gore has basically told us they're not going nowhere. So it's a waste of time now. I thought beforehand we we might see some change, but – I. Tom Gore's made it clear they're not going anywhere. Do I agree with that? No. I think at this point, I don't believe Tom or Troy Weaver probably should have his job still. I don't think Artel should probably have his job still. I think Monty Williams, yes, in his first year of a long deal, should be heavily on the hot seat. But it doesn't look like that's going to be the case with Tom Gore's. Um, the other thing that Tom Gore said, and something that we've been hearing from the Pistons front office way too much, I don't think everything Tom Gore said was bad. We'll get into some of the other stuff I thought was okay. But they he keeps, him and Weaver, they keep talking too much about cap space. 
He says here, I think the thing that probably can't be seen right now is that we cleaned up a lot of stuff with our player contracts in the last two years. One thing that's been on my mind within all of the losses that we still have a very good future. And they go on to talk about how they cleared up cap space. And um, he said, number two, we have set ourselves up in a way that the contracts are flexible. It's been four years. They cannot continue to point out the fact they were able to shed Blake Griffin's contract and how they were able to take what the cap situation was the year before Weaver was hired and what it is now and take that some big victory lap because of two things. One, it's not that hard to do. They traded away Drummond for nothing, for basically nothing. Now, I don't know how much his value actually would have if you didn't want just expiring contracts, but they just got rid of him for nothing so they could just get cap space to the Cavs. Did the same thing with all their other players. It, it, that was not a hard concept to do. That was not like some you know next-level GM moves. With Blake Griffin, you just bought him out. Like you just you just bought him out. And after four years, all those guys' contracts would have been off the table anyway. So even if you would have not done anything, if you would have done nothing with the contracts, as of right now, those guys' contracts would have been cleared off and you would have been in the same spot you're in right now. Like getting off those salaries were not some big crazy move that you did. That was not some big victory lap that they can't keep continue to take right now. Because the whole point in moving on to point two of creating cap space is to do something with the cap space. And they've chosen to do nothing with their cap space. This past offseason, they chose to quite literally do nothing with their cap space. They have how much we've talked about many, many times what their salary. Yes. They don't have long-term salary. Okay. Yes. They're long-term salary wise. Yeah. They're, they're, they're freed up. But as of right now, they have $20 million tied up in Joe Harris, who is unplayable. That's not a good contract to have if you're not going to get nothing with it. That's somebody who's not playing. You have $25 million tied up in Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman. You just gave Isaiah Stewart a four-year $15 million extension, which I know a lot of Stu fans think were a really good extension. But I think after how you've seen the team play this year, you at the very least should have done what I said in the offseason, which was wait till the, this upcoming offseason where he's a restricted free agent and wait till then to pay him and see what his market actually was. So you have all these, all this stuff with the salary cap, along with Monty Morris not playing. That's $9.8 million of salary. That's also just not playing. So, yes, they have long-term cap flexibility, but it's not like their contracts on the, on the roster right now are helping them. They have a ton of salary that's just unusable for them right now. That's not impacting anything. About $45 million of cap that just is, is basically – incapable of helping you win games that's not a good cap situation and the whole point again of having open cap and having cap flexibility is to do something with it and they've chosen to do nothing with it so stop taking victory laps about clearing up cap space it was not that hard of a thing to do it was not i promise it's not this big deal it's not the next thing that tom gore said that i i just really did not like seeing was that, again, is what we mentioned at the beginning, is that he's not making any changes to the front office and that they have a plan. And I know later on, we'll, you know, I'm about to get to it, but it kind of felt like he was going back and forth between, yeah, there's going to be some change, and also saying to the team or to the fan base, be patient. There's more be patient kind of ideas. The, you know, we have a plan. We're sticking to it. Troy Weaver is going nowhere. Monty Williams is going nowhere. We have a plan. We believe in it. We think we can get things done. That's basically telling the, the fan base, be patient. It's coming. Hey, 26th game losing streak. Hey, breaking the all-time losing streak. Doesn't matter. We have a plan. Just trust that we have a plan. You're basically telling them to be patient. And I very much did not like that at all. I don't I don't understand how Troy Weaver 
and again, I don't believe I'm being unfair by this with by saying this at all. You're on a 26 game losing streak. I don't think anything's unfair at this point. So miss me with that. I think at the very least, there he should have said that there is consideration of Weaver, or he's on a hot seat, or he has to get things done. Or I'm looking at it. Is this not how I wanted it to go? You know, I'm looking at him carefully right now. Like something along those lines. Not basically guaranteeing his his seat safe. Not basically guaranteeing that Monty Williams' seat is safe for the rest of the year. I don't know how you can say that on a 26-game losing streak. The other thing that, that Tom Gore said during this, game, during this interview was he basically guaranteed, he said that there will be changes. And when they pressed him on when these changes are coming, he said in the near future. Now, that is a good thing to me. If the only, there's only two things Tom Gore could have done, in my opinion, in the, when he came out and spoke. Either one, he comes out and he says that Troy Weaver and Monty Williams are fired. That's one option. Either Troy Weaver and Monty Williams, they're fired, they're gone. That was one of his options. The only other option he could have done, the only other option he could have done, if he wasn't going to do that, was say they're going to make some changes and say that they were going to do some things in the trade market. And that he that basically is what he said. My and, I'm, and again, like I said, I'm cool with that. I'm happy with that because I think you cannot continue to truck, truck out this team every single day, act like nothing's wrong, and just continue to go about your your you know you go about your day every single day the same way. This team's sinking. They need big changes. My there's two issues I have with that though. While I'm happy he said that there seems to be changes coming in quote unquote the near future, there's two problems with that that are going to come up now. One. Like I said earlier, with throughout this entire interview, it felt like he was saying be patient while also saying, yeah, we acknowledge that changes need to be made. So I don't know if near future means within the next few weeks before the deadline, or could he just be actually saying, yeah, near future means this upcoming offseason, just be patient, we have a plan. This offseason, we're going to do some things, but you just going to have to stick it out for the rest of this year. And if that's what's happening, if they're just sticking it out the rest of this year and not doing anything, and they're talking about this offseason, that, that's just catastrophic. That that. That's just unacceptable, dude. That that would be insane. So I hope that's not the case. That's first. And second, which is a point I've had many listeners and many fans point point out to me, which is a very fair point. With what Weaver's done to this point, why should fans trust him to be the one that makes this big game-changing move before the deadline? Why should fans trust that he's going to be able to go out and make a deal that's going to help this team, not just now, but help them out moving forward? How, how can they trust him to do that? The last trade he made was Sadiq Bey for James Wiseman, and James Wiseman is not playable for the Pistons, and Sadiq Bey has found a role where he's just a spot-up shooter, and they're not asking him to do all this other stuff, and he's playing really well. We don't need to talk about the Bruce Brown trade. We don't need to talk about the Luke Kennard trade. We don't need to talk about how they gave up a first-round pick to get Isaiah Stewart. We don't need to talk about all those other moves. We all already know that happens. So I think that's a very fair point to bring up. One, are the moves even going to happen before this the end of the season? Can they try to salvage anything? Or are they just going to make us wait again? And also, too, why should anyone trust that Troy Weaver is able to make a move that is worth anything, that is not going to cripple this team? Both points are fair. To be honest, this is why I'll say to end off what Tom Gore's his interview. I'm happy that he came out and spoke up. I'm happy that he came out and faced the music and took accountability because they did. T- he did take accountability in this. Multiple times he said, we wanted to be better this year, and they haven't. That's on us. That's on me. That's on Troy. He said that. So I'll give him credit for that. He took accountability. I'll say, but other than that, I'll say this. I don't think there was much he could have said to win over people and 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 make people satisfied with what he said outside of firing Troy Weaver and or Monty Williams and or Arntellum. There wasn't going to be much he could have said besides doing that. 
and the fact that he went out of his way to say those guys are not going anywhere, that really made a lot of people mad. So I don't think he was in a win-win situation, a very you know good situation with whatever he said. If he didn't say one of those guys were going anywhere, um, and then this will be the last thing I say actually here, and then we'll wrap it up. He said that you know when people are chanting "sell the team," that that's ridiculous because aside from winning, we're very active in the community. That's just an insane thing to say. That that is that is one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard. It's like when. It, for example, it's like when when like uh, uh, sports panels or sports analysts criticize a player, like Russell Westbrook. When someone criticizes Russell Westbrook and then he comes in the postgame presser and he says, well, I'm a great man. I'm a great human being. I have kids. I have a great wife. I do great things in the community. Bro, no one's talking about that. No one cares. No one's questioning whether you're a good person or not. No one's talking about whether you do community community service or anything. We're talking about what we're seeing on the basketball floor. You're not doing stuff. Same thing with Tom Gore. You're the owner of a basketball team. No one's questioning what you're doing in the community. No one, it's not that no one cares. No one, like, actually, it really is, honestly. No one cares at this point what you're doing in the community. How many basketballs you donated to a school? Like, that's not what, you're an owner of a basketball team. Aside from winning, winning is the whole point of being an owner of a basketball team. So you can't say, aside from winning, I'm doing my job. No, you're quite literally not doing your job. So that right there just ruined the entire interview. I could not believe he said that, aside from winning. Bro, that is the job. That, that's the purpose. You're supposed to be. You're supposed to build a winning program, especially for a franchise with a decorated history like the Pistons. That is literally the whole point. I, I, I couldn't like. Oh my! I couldn't believe he said that. That is that's crazy. Um, but whatever. All right. When we come back, how soon should you guys be expecting change? We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, stay tuned. First, you guys got to hear from some of our sponsors. So, Oman, thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on our podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, we'll talk about some changes, when you guys should be expecting them, when they should happen. Um, but there are a few other things from, from uh, Tom Gore's uh, interview some articles that were uh, written that I want to talk about. First thing is, if you guys have been listening to the podcast over the last few days, over the last week or so, I, I, I this is what I'm going to say to my listeners right now. When I say some things, so I, 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 there's some things that you guys need to read in between the lines about. And since it was confirmed and it was leaked out already, I can go ahead and confirm that this is what I was referencing over the last week or so, last week and a half. I believe in Omari Sankofa's article or James Edwards III article, one of the two, about Tom Gores' interview. I, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me right now, um, but I believe it, it was one of those two. Um, basically confirmed that Tom Gores met not only with Weaver this past week, but met with Kate Cunningham earlier in the week. And I can confirm that I had known about this meeting that Kate sat down with Tom Gores earlier last week. And you guys, if you guys want to know, what I have heard that it's about what was said, I'd just say to you guys, I can't come out and say outright. I would just say to you guys, go listen to the last week's worth of podcast and read in between the lines. That's all I can say to you guys. But I am aware. I was aware of it. And again, read in between the lines of some of the things I say on here. So I think it's a good thing that they're meeting with Cade. I think it was a good thing he sat down with Cade. And I hope some things come 
after sitting down with Cade and sitting down, I believe they said also Jalen Duran. I hope that something comes of this. Something has to come of this, especially at this point of the season where they're at. Something has to happen. They lost this, losing that game to the Utah Jazz was just pitiful. Uh, that should have been the day that everybody, like, I don't know how people didn't, I'm not going to lie to you, I don't know how changes within the organization didn't happen after that. I, I, I don't understand how they can look people in the face and say no changes need to be made. They're about to be the worst team in NBA history. There's no way people should be keeping their jobs, but I, whatever. Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe I'm being unfair by saying you shouldn't be the worst team in NBA history, but whatever. Um, how soon should everybody be expecting changes? Well, and when I say change, I mean trade market, because that's what uh, Tom Gores was basically referencing in his interview, that they're going to be active in the trade market. Uh, the beat writers have leaked out and also report multiple times that they're looking to make a splash in the trade market, whether it's one, two, or even three moves, whether it's one big move, that they're going to be very active in the trade market, whether that ends up happening before the trade deadline or this offseason, apparently, they are going to be active in the trade market. I'm going to hope and pray. And I, honestly, I believe, based off what Gore said at the end, that it has to be happening pretty soon before the deadline, that they're going to be making at least one or two trades before the deadline. It's not going to be an off-season thing. And if it's an off-season thing, I, it, it just, everyone just, just lose hope. It's, it's over with. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you guys that, but if that's what's happening, it is what it is. Um, if it is going to happen before the trade deadline, these are the dates that everyone needs to be paying attention to. I believe December 15th was the first date uh, when the free agents from this past year can be traded. I believe the next date is either January 15th or January 17th when guys who I believe signed extensions uh, or something of the sort like that also become available and can be traded. So I believe after January 17th, literally anybody can be traded under no um, restrictions kind of thing. Um, I don't think that can will stop the Pistons from being active. And could there be a trade that happens between now and January 17th? Absolutely. Um, a guy that I think everyone should be monitoring, uh, Tobias Harris. I think he's a real option. Um, but I also think there's going there's some guys that maybe aren't being. I, I actually let me not say not think. I know that there are some guys that aren't necessarily in the big reports or in the big trade rumors that the Pistons are interested in and that they could go after. And Again, you're probably not going to hear about it. And it wouldn't shock me at all in the next few weeks. You guys hear the Pistons trade for somebody that we haven't even talked about. That hasn't been in the news. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all if that's what ends up happening. I can. It is 100% correct that the Pistons are very active right now in the trade market. They are looking at multiple moves. Whether they actually pull the trigger on something, who knows? That's been the biggest. I mean, that, that's why this front office, I believe, another one of the reasons why they should be gone. Why they should be losing their jobs. because. There's two different, actually, there's not just two, but there's many different reasons or ways to look at front office and say they're failing. One is making the wrong moves, obviously. Making the wrong moves ends up getting you canned. The other thing is, which is another situation that may be happening in the business front office, is having too many different plans. Instead of having one concise, you know, agreed-upon plan, you have multiple different voices and you don't really have a plan. When you have multiple plans, you don't have one. You don't have any. When you, If you have one plan, at least if you if you get fired on that one plan, at least you saw it through and you gave it everything you can, you had and it just didn't work out. You can live with that, to be honest. When you don't, when you have multiple different voices, multiple different plans, that just means that you don't really have one plan. 
And I think that's a scenario that the Pistons could be dealing with. I know Tom Gores came out and said in this article that it's just him and Troy who have any voice with things. That's I'm calling it's cap. That that's just straight up cap. Arn Tellum has some say in some things. That's that's just straight up cap. It's that's not true. It's not true. I know he's trying to take accountability and put it on him and Troy, the public people, you know, the people everyone sees, the faces of the organization, whatever. I get that. You want to take accountability, you don't want to push it on anyone else. That's cool. But the truth is, that's just not true. Arn has some say in some things. He definitely has a voice. So that's another thing. But what I'm trying to get to is another way you can get yourself canned is being too scared to do anything. And that's where the Pistons have found themselves the last year. They have been too scared to pull the trigger on literally anything. They were too scared to pull the trigger on any free agents. They were too scared to pull the trigger on any kind of big-time trades, any kind of trades that involved moving on from somebody maybe that the fan base likes, maybe moving on from someone that the fan base wouldn't have liked seeing go, maybe moving on from a guy that maybe you really liked, the, the front office really liked, and wanted to have to move on from them to get something that helps the team more. You have to make moves. You have to take risks. That's the only way you can build a basketball team. And this team has not taken any risk. They didn't sign any free agents. They haven't moved anybody. The only trade that they've made that maybe could be considered a risk in this contest, it definitely was a risk, but in the context I'm talking about, was was the Sadiq Bey for James Wiseman trade. But it wasn't even a risk in that context I'm talking about. It was really a risk simply because James Wiseman isn't good and Sadiq Bey at least has a role in the NBA moving forward. That's why it was a risk. You were taking a chance on a guy that maybe is going to be out the NBA in two years, where you're giving up a guy who definitely is going to be a role player at the least for the next five to eight, ten years. That's what the risk was. That not the risk I'm talking about, but like that's what gets you canned, and that's where the Pistons have been at. They're too scared to do anything, and whether that's because they have too many plans, they can't decide on just one, or if they're literally just so, so they have such PTSD over Blake Griffin's trade that they just don't want to do anything else. Whatever it is, that's what's killing them right now. So how soon should a change happen? It should happen immediately. I was saying that it had to happen by Christmas, and it's Christmas and it hasn't happened. So every single day that passes by is a day too late that you should have been made a change. That's where I stand. Every day that passes after Christmas is a day too late. January 17th, after then, it probably becomes even more likelier that a trade happens, and I just pray that by the deadline, there should be multiple moves that happen. But I would be shocked. I'm going to tell you guys this right now. I would be absolutely shocked if a trade is not is not made within the next three weeks. I, I would be utterly shocked if they allowed this team to break the losing streak record, continue to lose after it, and extend the losing record, and not make any moves. They, I would be – maybe I shouldn't be shocked because they let it get to this point without making any trades. But after what Gore said, saying in the very near future, that changes were going to be made, along with the fact that they're facing history in its eyes right now, I, I would be utterly shocked if they did not make any moves within the next three weeks. Well, 100% before the deadline, but that's too late to make one. That's way too late to make one. Within the next three weeks, even that's late. But I think that has to be the time frame when you make a move. Something has to happen soon. Soon. So uh, that that's where I stand with all that, man. There's a b- bunch of other things said in Tom Gores' interview. Um... You guys definitely should go check it out. Read either Amari Sankova's article on it with the free press. You can read James Edwards' third article on it um, with uh, The Athletic. Um, definitely check those out. Um, that's all I've got on it, man. I, I, it's, a, it's just a terrible, trashy, crappy situation the Pistons are in right now, and it's sad. It's sad that it seems like that there's going to be nothing done right now to anyone 
to the people who put this product on the floor. I, I could understand coming out and saying this after a 10-game losing streak, a 13-game losing streak, a 14, 15-game losing streak. You're facing the chance of being the worst team in NBA history. There's no reason why your owner should come out then and guarantee the safety of people's jobs when you're potentially being the worst team in NBA history. There, there's no way. That's just that's crazy to me. That's just crazy. I don't care what plan you had. The plan you had is not working. It's crazy. When we come back, will the Pistons avoid the losing streak or will they break the record? Making final predictions right here when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. The Detroit Pistons, 26-game losing streak. They are two games away from tying the losing streak record. They are three games away from breaking it. And by the way, I didn't know this until just now, or not just now, but like yesterday, I think it was, or two days ago. Um, the Pistons already broke the single season losing record. Like most losses in a row for a single season, they already broke that. They broke that with the last loss. Now they're competing with the through two seasons losing streak, which happened to, I believe, the 2013 Philadelphia 76ers. They ended the season on a losing streak, then started up the next season on like a five game losing streak, and that extended to like 28. That's what they're competing with. The single season one, they've already broken that one. That, that one's already Detroit Pistons put the banner up. Single season losing record. They, they won it. They, 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 they broke that one. Will they avoid the 28-game losing streak record through two seasons and just one season doing it? Well, this is what their schedule looks like. Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto. Those are their next three games. If they lose those next three, they will be on a 29-game losing streak and they will have broken the record. The only game that I think the Pistons have a chance at winning, if they don't win this game, I don't really think they have a chance to win any of these games, let me say that. Because, you know, if you they haven't been able to beat anyone, so I, I don't expect them to beat anyone. But their best chance, I think, is Brooklyn at home tomorrow at 7 o'clock on the 26th of December. That's their best chance. They're at home against a Brooklyn Nets team. Mikael Bridges had been struggling. Now, he did have a great game against them on the 23rd, so maybe that snapped him out of his, you know, his, his struggles. But he was, he's was he been struggling over the last, like, three weeks, so maybe that was just a one-off. They're at home against Brooklyn. I think that's their best chance. They're not being Boston in Boston. That's not happening. And I don't think they're being the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors pose an issue for the Pistons that they just don't have an answer for, and the fact it, it's the fact that they have so many big wings. Pascal, Scotty, OG Ananobi, and they have good big men. Teams like that, actually, any team in the NBA poses problems for the Pistons, but especially teams who have wings like Scotty, like Pascal, like OG, they are going to really cause issues for the Pistons. Last time they played the Pistons, Chris Boucher, Preston Achua, like those guys were even causing the Pistons issues simply because they are bigger than the Pistons' wings. And then that's not even speaking about Jakob Podol, who had a tremendous game against the Pistons last time they played. I, so I just don't think they, matchup-wise, again, like I said, 26-game losing streak, the Pistons don't match up with anybody good. But I think they especially don't match up well against the Raptors. I think the Raptors are going to destroy them. Um, and last time they played the Raptors, where, where let me scroll up. 
when was the last time they played the Raptors? Yeah, last time they played the Raptors, they lost by 30. So, like, I think they're going to do the same thing to them again. They just don't have the personnel to match up with them. And they're not being the Boston Celtics. So their best possible chance is against the Nets. And they were within two in the third quarter. This past, uh, on the 23rd against the Nets. And then they just fell apart like they always do. So I, I think that signals that they could try to push the Nets to the brink. So I think that's their best chance. Um, if they don't beat the Nets tomorrow, it's over with. They're breaking the record. And I think they could even move it forward. Like, I think they, they're they going to lose to the Rockets on the first. I think they'll lose to the Jazz on the third. Definitely the Warriors on the fifth. Nuggets on the seventh. Kings on the ninth. I, like, if they don't beat the Nets tomorrow, I think their next possible win is the Spurs. And that would be, uh, so what was it, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. That would be, that would be hoping to stop it at 35 straight losses. It, like, I, 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 this is why I'm going to wrap up the podcast, man. Do I think they're going to break the losing streak? Yes. I, I think they're going to break. I think they're going to get to like 33 straight losses before they get a one. I think even at that point, it, it's a chance they don't even get that, break it at that point. I think it could go even longer. That's how bad this is. This is where I'm going to end this. I promise you guys I was going to do this. I'm going to look directly in the camera when I say this. This team is on a 26-game losing streak. It is very possible that they are going to go above 30 straight games lost in a singular season the all-time record is through two seasons the Pistons are going to do it in one season the Pistons are going to do it within the first two and a half months of the NBA season we are not even halfway through the NBA season are we even technically a third of the way through the NBA season right now if we are it's just barely not even halfway through the NBA season the Pistons are about to break the record they are competing with the 1973 Philadelphia 76ers as the worst NBA team of all time. The NBA has been around for nearly 100 years. They are competing for that. That's where this team is before the halfway point of the NBA season. Before the the NBA season just started two months ago. And they are already breaking losing streak records and competing for the worst team in the NBA of all time. Tom Gores, the fact that you did not put Troy Weaver on the hot seat, the fact that you did not take away his job title, or at least come out and say that he is on the hot seat or reference the fact that he needs to turn this around immediately or he is going to be moved off of, that is a spit in the face to all Pistons fans, I believe. Troy Weaver, what you've put on the floor or the Detroit Pistons this season is a spit in the face to all Pistons fans across the world. It's not just in Detroit. I've spoken. There's many Pistons fans that listen to this podcast across the world, everywhere. Pistons are a loved franchise across the world. They are a well-decorated franchise with three championships in the back-to-back in the 80s and one in 2004. They made eight straight Eastern Conference Finals in the mid-2000s. It, it, it doesn't even feel like it was that long ago that they were on top, but it really has. At this point, if 26 straight games is not enough to force a change, if breaking the losing streak in a week is not enough, to force change. If getting to 30 plus 30 plus losses in a row is not worthy of making change, if competing with the worst team in NBA history it, with the 1973 Philadelphia 76ers is not enough to force change, I want you to tell us what is enough to force change. And lastly, why should any of us, anybody, not just fans, people who cover the team, why should anyone give a single damn about anything you do with this team? Why should anyone care about this team or anything that they do? Win, loss, trade, signing, anything. Why should anyone care at that point? Because you told everyone else you don't care about them. 
through 30 games. Why should anyone care at that point? Why should anyone believe anything that comes out of your guys' mouth? Why should anyone trust anything you guys even do at that point? If At that point, that's not enough to force change. If that's not enough, what is? What is? And why should anyone care at that point? I'll tell you this right now. All Pistons fans listening to this podcast, this is what I'll tell you guys. If this thing gets to January 1st and no changes have been made, the Pistons have lost, have broken the losing streak, and they get to 30 straight games lost, you guys should not tune into a single Pistons game the rest of the year. You guys should not purchase a single Piston ticket for the rest of the year. You guys should not watch a single game for the rest of the year. And Tom Gore said in his interview, last thing I'll say, he said, don't blame, don't, don't take down the players, show up to the game still, support them, take it out on me. Nice one. Slick. Showing up to the game and paying those tickets is not helping the players. The players are going to get paid either way. That is directly helping the franchise. That is directly helping the ownership. That's not anything to do with the players. Don't show up to any games. Don't watch any games. If this, if they don't make a change by January 1st, by the, or actually when, when is it they can break, make, Break the losing streak. The thirtieth, yeah. By, so by January first, if they don't make any changes by then, I don't want to hear from someone say, "Oh, that's not realistic." Who in that short of time for them to make a change? No, they had the last two months to make a change, and they chose not to. Now it's just the last last chance. No one should watch another game for the rest of the year. No one should purchase a ticket for the rest of the year if they don't make change this week. This week, and if it was me, everyone would have lost their jobs by now. It's okay to be bad. Now, actually, now it's not even okay to be bad, but being just bad, okay. Being historic, worst team ever, not acceptable. That's all I've got for you guys today. Appreciate you guys. Catch you all in the next one. Merry Christmas, man. Catch you guys later. Appreciate you guys making Lockdown Pistons your first listen. Until next time, peace out.